Welcome to Abuelas en Acción, a podcast for our common good. I am Dr. Rosemary Celaya Alston, and I'm here with my co-host, Marie Dahlstrom. Today is the 27th episode of Abuelas en Acción, and we wanted to take the opportunity to reflect a little bit on what we've learned from our wonderful guests and to talk frankly about the challenges that we are facing here in the United States and opportunities to thrive. Yes, I'm saying thrive during these challenging times. Marie and I are grandmothers who care deeply about the future of our country and want to raise awareness and stimulate action for change. The pandemic has brought an urgency to the need for action action that all of us must take for the good of our families, community, and our country. We have been blessed to have guests who have brought their life experiences or expert information about health, economic equity, climate change, and immigration justice. We have had and have been sharing some difficult discussions about the kind of society we want and the kind of world that we want to inhabit. Shocked at how fragile and eroded our democracy has become, we now know what a democracy is strong only with active participation of all of our citizens. We, the people, need to ensure that our government works for all Americans. Our guests and moderators speak passionately and provide all of us examples of making a difference in our communities. Besides educating us about the issues and injustices, they challenge us with practical action steps that ordinary people like you and I can take to, sh to shape a truly inclusive, democratic America for our common good. Marie, what are your thoughts? And have we reached this? And what do you think of reaching this milestone of 27 episodes? Wow, all I can say, Rosemary, it's been an incredible journey. And I am so honored that we have done this together. You know, when we first talked about doing um, the podcast and worked with Sam and uh, Sam Williams, our producer, who um, is now at Linfield College in uh, McMinnville, Oregon. Um, he really encouraged us to embark on this venture and, and, and to do uh, what we really didn't feel like we have the skills to do in terms of a podcast. We have all these years of experience working in our, our communities, in particular working on behalf of Latinos and other people of color on policy programs and research. But um, we, we, we talked about opportunities in doing this podcast and, and here we are. I um, think back on these 27 episodes and I can hear the many voices of the people who have been on our, our show and just their amazing dedication and passion for making a difference in their communities. Um, I love this quote by the novelist and activist Arudandi Roy. There's really no such thing 
as the voiceless. There are only the deliberately silenced or the preferably unheard. And that's what we have heard again and again, that um, what initially propelled us to begin this podcast um, uh, due to concerns that we saw regarding the erosion of our democratic process in terms of um, issues like voter suppression, in terms of um, preventing all residents of the United States to participate in the census. Um, we have learned so much about how um, uh, participation is not equal and that we have a history in our country of uh, silencing um, many populations, many under um, uh, underserved communities. And we, we know that we can all do something about it. We have talked with guests about COVID disparities that have impacted so many more Latinos, Blacks, and other people of color, and the devastating impact that this disease has had on families, um, not just health-wise, but economically. It is truly devastating. Um, and once again, we see how it's communities of color and other communities who are, 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 are reeling from the impact of these kind of disparities. Our food equity series was amazing. Um, many people, including myself, had not paid too much attention to our food network until COVID happened. And what we've learned is that there is much to improve about our food supply network. We can provide workers with a living wage, with health benefits, with paid sick leave. We can support local farmers and sustainable agriculture. Rosemary, what do you share your thoughts on, on these, this journey that we've taken together? You know, when I reflect back, I am looking at... Um, that each one of us in one way or another has been affected or impacted by the challenge of this pandemic. And we're all confronting this at maybe different levels. And ultimately what we're also looking for is our continuous well-being, knowing that we can no longer do some of the things that we enjoy doing like gatherings and getting together with friends and going out to eat and um, that this is an opportunity for us to really reflect and look at um, what we need to do differently here and what really is important. And when I look at where we're at now, I, we have to be able to sort of spin this in a way of being able to look at, okay, so we're in this and we're in this together. What can we do as a community and communities across the countries of continuing to have compassion and respect for each other? Um, one of the things that I think has really been at the forefront with many of our guests is that we need better policies that impact the quality of lives of the most vulnerable in our countries. And we, those are just words, and we really need to put some action behind that. Um, we already know what we know. You mentioned this, Marie, in terms of 
the dialogue you just shared with us is we know inequality exists and that racism is at the forefront of many of some of the things and some of the, the rules and policies that have been placed together. We've got to do better. And so what does that look like? What do we need to do? We need to reflect on our own behaviors and our own value systems at this time and determine what is going to be better in the long stretch, the long journey of, of where we're headed. What do you think, Marie? What are, you know, where can we go? Yes, and you are absolutely right because um, there is so much happening at, what, at one time. Uh, here in the United States, we're facing so many challenges, including the COVID-19 pandemic, economic pain, uncertainties for our children's education, and an upcoming election with so much political polarization. There are no, there's, there's no one way to approach this. And for some reason, we, and this has been taking place for at least the last 40 years, 50 years, we have become so polarized and we've gotten into partisan groups saying there's only our way to approach this. But Life is way more complicated than that, and it's, com it's complicated, it is multifaceted. So how do we as a country, you know, how do we move forward? What do you think, what, what opportunities, Rosemary, do you see for us as a country at this point? I see an opportunity to have um, tables where dialogue can, um, sustain itself with multiple um, different gifts that people come to the table in terms of trying to um, develop policies that are going to go to the heart of where people need for it to go. You know, we oftentimes are resistant to looking at what that may look like in our different communities, and yet we know that people are not getting three meals a day and children are wanting more food and wanting to go to school. I have grandchildren that are struggling, a granddaughter who doesn't appreciate the online teaching. And as a kindergarten, you begin looking at, you know, how can you do this online? And yet that's where we're at in trying to give her a positive way of looking at this. And she goes, no, I want to go and I want to color with my friends, my friends that I've never met. Mm -hmm. So that whole socialization piece is our kids are our grandchildren are in a different place. Now, my second grade year old grandson is like, I like it, but I don't like it. I miss PE. I miss going to my, my soccer games. I miss, so there's an enormous amount of loss that is happening for our children who are in our K through 12 and even college bound kids, that there is a loss and a grieving that is occurring. So an opportunity to really look at what this may look like at, at the downstretch, because I don't see that we're going to have anything that's going to be a, a prevention for this um, till sometime next year. And, and, and that's going with our, our, 
trusted medical and researchers in terms of what they are sharing with us, that that's the reality and we've got to get real. So how can we place positive spins in a world and a family and an educational system and an economic system that looks different? I really believe that we need to get policies that can work now. We wait too long for this erosion to occur um, where people are deeply, deeply hurt with not being able to pay their rent. Um, with not being able to go to the store, with not seeing or being able to travel. And yet the basic, basic things that our people are needing like health and the security of being able to have a, a place over their, their heads for their families. If we look at back East, even now, um, these, not only are we dealing with a pandemic, but we're dealing with the weather and what that weather is bringing towards family losing their homes in the state of Arizona, it's fires and fires ravaging communities where not only are they dealing with the pandemic, but they're also dealing with no home to go to. Well, and, uh, and you have said this so beautifully uh, in terms of talking personally what how this is impacting us and I feel that we have an opportunity now uh, um, to not go back to the way things were pre-pandemic but to do them differently because the um, bare bone facts are that our country is um, based on capitalism and it has become even way more disparate in terms of people who have the top 1% income, for example, and the rest who do not. And when you talk about school opportunities and how children, uh, in particular children that come from low-income families who whose parents um, maybe have lost jobs or uh, families who are experiencing violence, uh, domestic violence, sexual violence, they are at high, high risk. So we have to join hands. And this is where all of us come in. We can't expect that the government is going to do it, that someone else will be speaking up for um, the good of us all. A democracy is the responsibility of us all. The late Congressman John Lewis, who spent his life as a civil rights activist, he said, democracy is not a state. It is an act and each generation must do its part to build what we call the beloved community, a nation and world society at peace with itself. In addition to what you've shared, Rosemary, um, I'm encouraged by the many voices that refuse to be silenced. I'm encouraged by the many young people who join protests to stand up to structural racism and voices who are speaking their truth for racial and economic equity. And I'm encouraged by young Americans who are committed to a sustainable world because this virus isn't going to be uh, our only crisis. 
unfortunately, as you've mentioned, with the weather on the East Coast, uh, hurricanes happening, and fires in Arizona. I know that you are um, uh, up at uh, uh, 115 degrees and maybe even higher in Arizona. This is not our only crisis, and we are just really beginning to understand the impact of climate change. So we're in this together. We've got to find the solutions together. And one of those, um, and, we'll, and we'll talk about this as an action step, is make sure we all vote. Make sure we know that the people who are running for office in our cities, in our counties, in our states, and at the national level, make sure we know the issues that they stand for and that we vote according to our values. Totally agree, Marie. I, I think when we look at what it means to thrive in this, this next lap or journey that we're taking, we really have to look at how we're going to sustain ourselves in a place that we are so unaware of of what the next crisis may be and you know as we're both therapists <laughs> um, and and understand some of the kinds of things that we need to do to keep our own selves um, well and both emotionally and physically um, but when you don't have resources to even do that where do you go and what do you do and one of the things that I would like to offer up is, is really staying in the know of positive thinking, because once we enter that other side of negativity, it can take us down both physically, emotionally, and our health suffers um, greatly. When we look at trauma and stress and the toxic environments that we're all seeing and observing or maybe even involved with, we see communities torn apart by this distress and the displacement, just the displacement of where do we go from here, not to mention all the divisions that we are looking at. So how do we thrive? What do we need to do to make it um, and to help others to make it as well? And I think communicating as much as we can if we still have our phones and they're still in in order because some of us have lost our phones being able to write letters and maybe write um, each other in a that we go that we not go back but that we look at creative ways of how we can still outreach to others and communicate um, with still establishing the safety precautions that we need to do with with physical distancing, with keeping ourselves safe and other safes around us. What are your thoughts, Marie? Well, and um, absolutely everything you've said, and I know that your faith is so important to you, of course, as it is to me. And um, for so many of us, spending time in meditation, in prayer, um, breathing, uh, breathing sounds so um, uh, it, 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 it sounds, sounds like not a big deal that of course we breathe we have to breathe in order to stay alive 
but so much of the time we're caught up in the busyness of life and in the worries of life that we breathe at a really shallow level. And so to take the time to slow our breath down and to breathe and to relish every moment, take time every day to think of three to five things that you're grateful for. Grace is present in every moment. Everything is a miracle. Be present for our families, our um, elderly parents, our relatives, our children, our grandchildren, our pets, and give thanks for what we have. Because the way to make a difference in the world is to begin with ourselves. Because if we're at peace with ourselves, then we can be at peace with the world. It's not about doing nothing, but it's about making sure that we are based on our human, in our humanist and the values that we hold so dear. I, that spirituality, however one experiences that is critical. And I know um, in the community where I live, a lot of people are losing their insurance can't afford their medication and so yeah breathing helps a lot just you know being able to sit back and take those breaths in a different kind of way and knowing that we will rise above this it may not happen as soon as we would like for it to happen um, but knowing that you know we've dealt with many crises in our own personal lives uh, the loss of a child the loss of sight, the loss of many things in our lives and in our families that many of us have struggled. We have more in common regarding that than not. And being able to help one another, even if it's not by hugging or embracing, but by giving positive affirmations on a daily basis to anyone and everyone that's around us, I think is, is also critical. Um, go ahead. Well, what are some action steps that we can take? Um, one is to mark your calendar um, that um, uh, voting is on November 3rd. Um, however, um, States have early voting. So what we encourage if you to do, if you are not sure when your early voting starts, or even if you're not sure uh, uh, what the last day is for you to register, if you're not registered to vote, go to votolatino.org, where you can check important dates for voter registration for your state. How about you, Rose? And another area is we need to support the medical and research scientists who are attempting to keep us safe and trying to come to terms with what that's going to look like. It means an enormous amount of checkpoints and measurements that they need to do. And so patience is really um, not something that's it, that we talk a lot about, but it's it's giving them the patience to be able to continue to do this because there are many, many hoops 
that our scientists need to go through to ensure that a vaccine is going to be safe without any kind of severe side effects or catastrophic consequences that may occur. And that takes time. The other thing is we need to also support those public health individuals that are out there, especially providing support for people who are on the front lines and are essential workers in our fields that are ensuring that they're getting what they need with their vans, whether that's temperature checks or checking their, their diabetes so that they are safe to be out in the fields in bringing those foods to our tables in our hands. Um, those are critical and, and not, um, not thinking negatively of our public health systems. They are doing everything that they possibly can and more and are, are really at the front lines of trying to keep people safe. Absolutely. That's an excellent point is we need to be patient. We need to uh, listen to our public health experts, do what they say, because um, uh, if we become impatient and we uh, are not taking precautions to protect ourselves, our, our families, our community members, we're going to be in this pandemic longer than we want. I want to thank everyone for joining us today at our marker of 27 episodes today. To our listeners, it's been wonderful to hear from you. Please continue to do that at Twitter, at Abuelas en Acción. We would love to hear from you. Please join us next time on Abuelas en Acción. Gracias. <laughs>